right. Greetings to all of our campuses. We are so glad that all of you are here. Uh, We're really excited about what God is doing at Christ Community, and today is a very special opportunity to see that and experience it. Uh, Before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and let you know about an upcoming staffing change. Uh, Pastor Patty Pell, who is our local outreach pastor, will be transitioning out of that role at the end of December. Patty has been an incredible blessing to our church in so many ways. She has been on staff here three different times um, for a total of about 17 years. So each time her leadership has profoundly shaped us, uh, specifically in the areas of strategic leadership and discipleship and multicultural ministry and local compassion. And so we love Patty and are, are grateful for her ministry here. We pray God's blessing on her as she pursues the next opportunity that God is leading her towards. Okay, well today we finish up a teaching series entitled Life Inspired. And in this series, we have been talking about, for several weeks now, we've been talking about how we can move beyond a life of just existing from day to day, a gray, boring, going through the motions existence, and instead step into a life of purpose, of passion, of meaning, and hope, a life that is inspired. Now, while certain things in this world offer us temporary inspiration, Jesus offers us something permanent. He says in John 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That that word life that he uses here is the Greek word zoe, and it speaks not of biological life, you know, the fact that our heart is beating and we're breathing. No, he's speaking of spiritual life. A life inspired in which we experience all that God has for us. A God-breathed life that takes us and takes everything to the next level. It is not complicated. It is not complicated to step into this kind of life. And it is not a life that's reserved only for a select few. No, it is available to anyone and everyone. And it really boils down. It really boils down to two words Two incredibly life-changing words. They are words of invitation from Jesus to us. We see them spoken by Jesus to a number of people, but I want us to focus our attention on one person in particular. His name was Matthew. We don't know a lot about Matthew, but we do know that he was a tax collector, which is important information. You see, tax collectors in that day were the lowest of the low. They would sort of be in the category of the guys selling drugs to middle schoolers, okay? I mean, they were despised by the Jewish people because they had sold out to Rome in order to get rich by taxing their fellow Jews. Tons and tons of taxes. No one wanted to be around tax collectors. They despised them. They avoided them. They hated them. I can't imagine that this would have felt to Matthew like an inspired life. I mean, the pay was good, but beyond that, life was probably not what he had envisioned. And then one day, This man named Jesus came up to Matthew's tax booth and he spoke two words that would forever change Matthew's life. Follow me. Follow me. That is the invitation from Jesus that enables a person who is living an uninspired existence to step into a life that is inspired. Follow me. 
So let's unpack this invitation. Both words are incredibly significant. Let's look at the, the second word first here, me, follow me. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, follow this list of rules, right? Or, or follow these religious rituals. If you do these things, if you clean up your life, then maybe we can have a conversation about you becoming a part of my team. That's not what he says. Jesus says, follow me. He is inviting Matthew and us into a personal relationship, a personal experience with him. And folks, this is, this is radically different than the churchy religious doctrines that you've perhaps heard or seen, or perhaps you, you were raised with. For many people, perhaps some of you here, you've always thought that Christianity is primarily about rules. Try hard to do what God says, Try to live a moderately pure life, follow the golden rule, go to church when you can, and hopefully God will let you into heaven. Now, this totally makes sense to the modern mind, but the problem is it doesn't work. It's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus didn't say, if you want to live an inspired life, follow these rules. No, he said, follow me. The life God wants for us is all about relationship, a personal, experiential relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus longs for a personal relationship with you. No matter how far from God you feel, no matter how sinful your past, no matter what other people think of you, no matter what you've done, Jesus' invitation is for you. It's for you and me. Now, the reason that Jesus can make this kind of invitation to sinners like Matthew and like us is because of Jesus' death on the cross. He died for our sins as our substitute. See, the cross enables us to experience forgiveness for all of our sins. And because of that, we can enjoy a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, so this invitation from Jesus to us is, at its core, relational. Follow me. Follow me, he says. But it is more, it is more than simply a personal relationship. Notice the first word Jesus uttered to Matthew. Follow me. Follow me. In that day, when a religious leader or rabbi like this, said to someone, follow me, it was more than a fun party game, okay? It was a significant invitation. It was an invitation to become a disciple, a learner of this rabbi. It was, it was a Jedi master inviting a young Padawan learner to come do life with him. Now you're probably thinking about the movie coming up, and I lost you for the rest of the evening. So bring it back. Come on, bring it back. Focus here, focus here. But seriously, Jesus' invitation to Matthew and, and to us is just like Obi-Wan's to Anakin. Align your life with me. Learn from me. Let me teach you and help you be all that you were called and created to be. Now this is a really cool thought when you think about it. Jesus is inviting us into this kind of relationship to be his Padawan, right? His disciple, which is awesome. It's awesome. And yet, let's be honest, this is also a huge lifestyle shift. Why? Because the word follow means follow. It means follow. It means that someone else is leading, 
someone else is calling the shots, namely Jesus. See, a lot of people today, a lot of people claim to be Christians. Perhaps they've accepted Jesus into their heart years ago, but when you look at their lives, there is little evidence that they are following Jesus. Honestly, they're they're more like a fan of Jesus. They admire him. They, They believe he died on the cross. Maybe they wear a cross around their neck. They can sing Jesus songs with the best of them. But when push comes to shove, when lifestyle choices or decisions need to be made about money or about sexuality or forgiving someone or whatever, Jesus takes a back seat to their own desires, their own thoughts, their own feelings. Who is following whom? Are we a follower of Jesus or a fan of Jesus? Is he our master or our advisor? I love Jesus' invitation to us in John 10, verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, notice how this is all about relationship. It's not about rules. He says, I know them. We're talking about a personal relationship here, right? That this is about a relationship. It's not about rules. But in that relationship, Jesus makes it clear. Jesus, as our master, calls us to hear his voice and to follow him, to follow him, to yield our lives to him, to learn from him. I mean, what an incredibly inspiring way to live because Jesus is an amazing leader, (laughs) He is an amazing person to follow, right? He's an amazing master. There is incredible freedom and joy that come from following him and from learning from him. Just the other day, I was was trying to fix a dripping shower head um, when my wife had been complaining about, I think for years probably, I could never hear it. And so it was just drip, drip, drip all night long, apparently. So, so finally I said, we got to, I got to take care of this. And so I discovered this is way more complicated than just replacing the shower head. Cause it's not about the shower head. I discovered you have to remove kind of the whole handle assembly and the, the cartridge has to come out. And then there are little, these little rubbers, there's these springs. And then they have these rubber kind of washer things in the back. And those are the little $5 pieces that actually need to be replaced, but you kind of got to dig in there. So I was learning from YouTube. Okay. I was learning how to do this from YouTube and I got stuck within about 45 seconds, I think. But um, I got stuck probably in the first couple minutes. I could not figure out why this handle in the video, it looked like it came right off. Why, you know, my, my handle was not coming off as easily as the video. So I was totally stuck. So what did I do? I called a fix-it guru friend of mine um, who happened to be vacationing in Las Vegas. And he walked me through over the phone. He walked me through the, the process and I got the job done. He was my Jedi master, right? I was learning from him and it worked. My wife thought I was awesome. It was incredible, really. She thought I was amazing. Um, but, But we all know the truth. I was just following. I was just following. I was just learning from, from my leader and it was fun. I know how to do it the next time. Um, See, that's what I love about what Jesus is inviting us into. It is not about an impersonal video, right? That, that, That impersonal video with Jesus. You know, it's not about a YouTube video. Jesus is with us. 
As, as he said in John 10, we are his sheep. He loves us. He knows us. And he wants us to follow him. And that makes a huge difference, right? Sheep don't follow very well, right? But when they do, man, life's good. Green pastures, all that Psalm 23 stuff, right? It's good to follow because he loves us. Now, this is not about perfection. We're not talking about perfection here. We are learning. The word disciple means learner. We're learning. But it is. It's not about perfection, but it is about a posture of the heart. It's about a posture of the heart. Who is following whom? A fan of Jesus wants to experience all the fringe benefits of having a personal relationship with Jesus, being loved and having access to prayer when we're in trouble and all those things, but they've not yielded to him. They're not yielded to him. And because of that, they're missing the inspiring life that Jesus invites us to experience with him. A person in our church was on a cruise ship a few months ago and suddenly he stopped breathing. Had his daughter not done CPR right then, he would have died. Miraculously, his, his life was spared. And so I was talking to him um, soon after he had recovered and he told me that while he was in this state of unconsciousness, he had a vivid and terrifying vision. He saw hell. He vividly saw the horror of being separated from God. And he didn't just see this from the, the vantage point of a spectator. He, when he saw this, an observer in his heart, he knew that's where he was headed. He was terrified. When they resuscitated him, that image was very much on his heart. Very much on his heart. See, he had gone to church all his life. He, he, he professed belief in Jesus. But that profession of faith, that profession hadn't really found its way into his heart. He was not following Jesus. He was just a fan of Jesus, giving lip service to his faith, but not truly embracing it from the perspective of a yielded heart. See, nowhere, we, we, have the, we like to you know, have the, kind of these categories and all that stuff. Nowhere in scripture do we see Jesus calling us to be his fans. To just accept him into our heart and then basically do our own thing. There is no category for that. There is no category for that in the Bible. Jesus calls us to be his followers. To let him lead. To surrender control of our lives to him. In fact, let me use another prominent, very prominent biblical word to describe what followers of Jesus do. They obey. They obey. A follower of Jesus obeys Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. See, obedience, obedience is a mark. It's an evidence of genuine love. It is a mark of a follower. It's a mark of a disciple. It is a complete biblical incongruity. It is a complete biblical incongruity to say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that interested in obeying Jesus. I'm still the one calling the shots. I'm doing my own thing. 
that is a way of living that is completely foreign to the New Testament. It's just, it's just not there. It is completely foreign to the New Testament. It is completely foreign to what Jesus invites us to experience. Now, I realize we're getting into tricky territory here. I realize that. And I, please hear me, I am not saying that our obedience saves us. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we have to hit a certain level of obedience before we can choose to follow Jesus. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that our disobedience disqualifies us from a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that. Or that our disobedience somehow removes his love, removes us from his love. I mean, if you've been around here any length of time, you know that that's not what we believe the Bible teaches around. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying this. Jesus' gospel invitation to us is to follow him. And that following, at some level, involves yieldedness and obedience to him. To profess to be a Christian and yet consistently refuse to follow Jesus is, as my friend discovered in his near-death experience, it's a very dangerous way to live, spiritually speaking. We are presuming to be in the fold when in reality, we have not really said yes to Jesus' initial and foundational invitation. Follow me. There's actually another word that Jesus would often use when talking about the life that he wants us to live. And in many respects, it is closely related to the word follow. And I think it helps us really understand what the word follow means. Otherwise, we think following it just turn into this legalistic thing. And I'm not talking about that. It's almost the other side of this coin. So with follow, the other side of the coin is trust. Trust, right? Trust and follow are really, they're, they're, they're each sides of the same coin. When Jesus invites us to follow him in every area of our lives, our sexuality, our finances, our integrity, our relationships, when he's inviting us to follow him, what he's really inviting us to do is trust him, right? He's inviting us to trust him, to trust that he knows what's best for us, that he loves us, that he has our best interest at heart. See, can I trust God enough to obey him at work when it would be really easy to not report that income to the IRS? Can, can I trust God enough to obey him even when I really want to sleep with my girlfriend? Can, can I trust God enough to obey him when I don't want to forgive this person who hurt me? but I know he wants me to. This is a faith issue, right? Every one of these issues is a faith issue. Saving faith in Jesus is more than simply believing intellectually that God exists and that Jesus died on the cross. Demons believe that. I mean, demons believe. Satan believes Jesus died on the cross. I mean, saving faith must involve a faith that is greater than the belief demonstrated by demons. Saving faith is choosing to place our trust in Jesus, placing our whole lives in his hands. It is not just intellectual belief. It is placing our trust in him. That's saving faith. 
One of my favorite illustrations of this, you've been around a while, you've heard me share this before, and I like to use this and encourage you to use it if you're in conversations with people. I, I often use this story to explain to people what it means to become a Christian. Years ago, there was a tightrope walker named Blondin who um, every day there was a rope tied across Niagara Falls, and every day he would walk across this rope. He would walk across Niagara Falls on this rope. After crossing, obviously a crowd would gather to watch him do this. And so after crossing, he would go up to the crowd and he would say to them, do you believe in me? They would say, yes, we just watched you do something amazing. Yes, we believe. He'd ask again, do you believe in me? Again, the crowd would say, yes, we believe. And he said, great, I'm going to go back across and I want to carry someone with me on my shoulders. Are there any volunteers? One man out of the crowd, one man raises his hand. He climbed on Blondin's shoulders and Blondin walked across that tightrope to the other side. Now here's the question. Who really believed in Blondin? Was it the crowd who said, you're awesome, we believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it the crowd that said they believed? Or was it the person who was willing to put their life in Blondin's hands and let him take them across, trusting him to take them across. See, say, saying you believe in Jesus will not save you. What saves you in me, what saves you is putting your whole life in his hands. Trusting him to lead you into all that God has for you. And what's great about that illustration is there's no way we can walk across the tightrope ourselves. There's no way we can get to God on our own. We need a savior to carry us across. But he doesn't force, it doesn't force any of us to do that. He asks us to put our lives in his hands, to trust him to take us across trusting him to lead us into all that God has for us. Follow me. Trust me. Two sides of the same coin. That's the invitation. Yield your heart and life to me. That is Jesus' invitation to a life inspired. Have you done that? Have you done that? I'm not asking if you prayed the sinner's prayer years ago or what. I'm not, I'm not asking that. Maybe you did, didn't I? That's, to me, it's just, I'm not asking that. I'm asking if your life gives evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. If your life gives evidence that you are trusting him. See, I'm asking if you have placed your whole self, including your will, into his hands, surrendering control of your life to him. Now, God has given us a very powerful picture of this wholehearted aspect of salvation to say it's more than just you know, professing belief. It's a wholehearted deal. He's given us a great picture of this. I um, mean, that picture, that symbol is baptism. Now, let me say right up front, being baptized does not save you. It, no religious work or ritual, no matter how meaningful, how good it is, saves us, saves anyone. We are saved by 
Faith. We are saved by faith, as I mentioned a moment ago. Dozens and dozens of scriptures assert this truth. For example, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Faith is what saves us. Not any work we do, not any external practice or ritual, but the inward decision of our heart to place our trust, our lives in Jesus' hands to receive this gift that he offers us. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that baptism is unimportant. It is important. It is a public demonstration of what Jesus has done in our heart. It is a way to publicly identify yourself as a follower of Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself elevated the importance of baptism in his final words to his disciples before his ascension. Look with me at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. If you have your Bible, you can look there. I'll I'll read this. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice Jesus' command here. It is not to create a bunch of fans of Jesus. It's not. Or to get a bunch of people to profess belief in Jesus, right? That's not the command. Jesus says, go and make disciples. That's what he wants. Followers, people who have placed their trust in him in such a way that Jesus is in charge now, which is why he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Again, that's what he's after. That's what he's after. That's the inspired life he is calling us into, a life of obedience to him, trusting him enough to align our lives with his heart and with his purposes and with his mission. Okay, so right in the middle of this great commission, Jesus articulates this powerful symbol of salvation, what it means to say yes to Jesus. Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, baptism is pretty important to Jesus. He he commands us to be baptized right here. He commands it. And clearly, baptism is an important symbol of salvation. It's a symbol of our following him. So what is the connection here? between How is baptism a symbol of salvation? I mean, the Apostle Paul shows us in this really powerful passage. I mean, at one, one level, it's washing the water and washing and all that. But there's more. There's more to this than just being washed. Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Let me read this passage. Listen to how Paul describes this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, for five chapters in the book of Romans, five chapters, Paul has been explaining how we are saved through faith in Christ alone, period. It's not about works. Five chapters. It is not about our work. It's about what Jesus has done. Five chapters. And he is anticipating 
he's anticipating that after five chapters, his readers are going to be asking this question. Well, if I'm saved through Jesus' work on the cross, and all of this is about grace, then I can just sin all I want and increase the amount of grace that comes my direction. None of us would think that, but these people were thinking that, okay? And notice Paul's answer. By no means, we died to sin. (laughs) We died to this, I'm in control life. I mean, we all know where that kind of life leads. We, we died to that. And now we have embraced, in Jesus, we have embraced a different way of living. And so Paul uses baptism to symbolize this new way of living. Baptism symbolizes our death to our old way of living, right? Being a fan of Jesus, but still maintaining control. Baptism, when we go into the water, it symbolizes our death to that. We have died, he says. And, 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 and to say yes to Jesus, it is to renounce the old way of living. It's to nail that to the cross with Jesus. And then as we come out of the water, it symbolizes our embracing of his resurrection life. <laughs> Yielding our hearts to him in this joyful disciple relationship, allowing his life to flow through us. In other words, following him. Thankfully, we come out of the water, right? We don't just stay there. We come out of the water. That's the invitation. That's what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes what salvation is all about. It's not just a little profession of faith. It symbolizes it's my whole life. I'm dying to my I'm in control life. And I'm rising. I'm trusting Christ and being raised to this new life where his life is in me changes everything. Baptism, it's a symbol. Not saying that happens when we're baptized. It already happened when we place our faith in Christ. It is a symbol, though, of salvation. So I want to stop right here and give two very specific opportunities for response. First of all, there are some of you here, there are some of you here, and as you're hearing this message, you realize you're a fan of Jesus, but not a follower. You're a fan, but you're not a follower. You believe in Jesus. You believe he died on the cross. Maybe you prayed some prayer to accept him, um, but I'm not even sure what that means. That's why I put it around quotes because it's not really in the Bible to accept Jesus. I don't know what that means. Um, Jesus talks about trust, faith, those kinds of things. So um, so maybe you accepted him. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you're not certain You're not certain in your heart that you've truly been saved by him. You have not placed your faith in him like the man did on Blondin's shoulders. You haven't done that. You're a person in the crowd. Oh, yeah, I believe, I believe. Today, you want to enter into the life Jesus invites you to experience. You want to say yes to his invitation. Follow me. So I want to pray right now. There's another invitation here coming, but I want to pray. If you would close your eyes for a moment, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here to say yes to Jesus in this way. This is a life changer, folks. This is a game changer. We're not just talking about a little profession of faith here. This is putting your lives on Jesus' shoulders and letting him carry you, letting him take you across to God and to change your life in that way. So if that's the desire of your heart, pray with me. 
in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. And I acknowledge there is nothing I can do to get to you. No matter how hard I try, how good I try to be, how often I go to church, there's nothing I can do in my power to get to you. But you came to me. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. Jesus, you took the hit for me. You took my sin upon yourself. The punishment I should have paid, you did that for me by dying on the cross. And I'm so grateful. And now you invite me to trust you. And I want to do that. I place my trust in you. I place my whole self upon you. All of my sins and my failures and fears and doubts and, and the good things I've done, every part of me I place on your shoulders. And I now receive you by faith. I ask you to forgive my sin, past, present, and the sins I haven't even committed yet. And come live in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. I receive this new life to walk in. I say yes to your invitation to follow you. God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray that you would help them now grow in this invitation, this, this life-changing invitation. You would help them grow. Now that you live in them, change them from the inside out. Their desires would be more and more your desires. They would be marked by obedience to you, joyful obedience and deepening trust in you. So I pray for that, Lord. I pray for them. Thank you, God. All right, you can, you can look up again. Now, the second response here, that's the first response, which is awesome. For those of you who prayed to receive Christ, awesome. Second response, for those of you who have said yes to Jesus' invitation, you know he has saved you. Have you followed Jesus in baptism? See, Jesus commands his followers to be baptized. Have you been baptized? See, if you have never been baptized as a believer in Jesus, why not do so today? The water's ready. People are here to witness this and celebrate with you. Why wait? Now, there, there are a couple of specific situations I want to mention here. One is for those of you who were baptized as an infant, but you've never been baptized as an adult. If you were baptized as an infant, that baptism was a reflection of your parents' desire for you to be God's, which is a cool thing. It's a cool desire. I don't want any of you going to your parents and, and being mad at them for baptizing you as an infant, okay? It was a reflection of their desire for you to have a spiritual connection with God. But now you have entered into that for yourself. And because you have entered into this relationship with Christ for yourself, you are to be baptized as a reflection of your own decision, not someone else's decision, your own decision for Jesus so now that you're a follower of Jesus, you can fully experience baptism in a way that you couldn't before as an infant. So why not be baptized today to publicly declare your faith in Christ? 
There may be others of you who maybe you recently became a Christian through Alpha or someone has led you to faith here. Or maybe um, you, you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never been baptized for whatever reason, pride or fear or whatever. Why not choose to put your pride, fear aside and say yes to Jesus, to obey Jesus in this way today? And, and let me also extend this invitation to those of you who just prayed with me a few moments ago. You just prayed with me to place your faith in Jesus. This is the perfect time for you to be baptized. It is right away, as soon as possible, right after trusting in Jesus. Why not be baptized today? For any and all of you, even if you weren't planning to do this, that's okay. We have extra towels. We have extra shirts. We have extra gym shorts. Whatever you need, you can do this. Maybe you came in tonight. You had no idea what was going to happen to you, but you can do this. And maybe Jesus is asking you, to do this, to be baptized in obedience to him as a reflection of your faith, your, your faith in him and choosing to follow him. So I want us to take a few moments here of silence as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I'm gonna just ask the Spirit to speak to us here. So Holy Spirit, you know who's here. And you, you, you are at work in our hearts. And we pray you would lay it on the heart, the hearts of any, that you want to say yes to you in baptism. That you want to be baptized here in this moment out of obedience to Jesus. We pray that you would lay it on their heart right now as we wait on you. Okay, now, there may be some of you here, just, this just came to my mind, but sometimes, like, I want to be baptized, but I really want my friends to be here and my family to be here. I totally get that, but we can take pictures, okay? We, 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 we have the technology. We can do this. And sometimes, when Jesus is prompting you to do something, it's about obeying him. You know, other people can celebrate later and all that. But don't, I would just encourage you to not make your decision to obey him or not based on who happens to be here right now. Do what he's telling you to do because that's the most important thing, right? Following him. 